You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Industrial control system worries in the electrical power sector. IoT botnets spook the EU, and research into Mirai reveals some interesting features of last month's DDoS attacks. The U.S. intelligence community says officially that the Russians are trying to influence U.S. elections. The Russians say it's rubbish. Hillary says Moscow wants to throw the election to Donald. Donald says it's unproven. And besides, how about those State Department emails? Investigation into the arrested NSA contractor proceeds. An expert suggests best practices for Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, October 11th, 2016. Worries about industrial control system security surfaced again late last week as the International Atomic Energy Agency reported that an unnamed nuclear plant sustained a successful disruptive cyber attack two to three years ago. The attack posed no immediate threat to public safety, but SCADA experts and utilities are expected to redouble efforts at securing power generation and distribution facilities. September's Internet of Things-driven distributed denial-of-service attacks against OVH and Krebs on security continue to cause technical and policy alarm bells to ring around the world. The European Union is moving toward some form of IoT security regulation. So far, it's unclear what form such regulation will take, but the talk in the European Commission so far is about a labeling system that would tell consumers their Internet-connected devices are approved and secure. The evolving policy will bear watching. Investigation into the details of the IoT DDoS campaigns continues to center on the Mirai botnet. Security company Imperva has published the results of its findings in its Encapsula blog. The company says the Mirai botnet was both territorial in that it disabled competing malware on infected systems and prevented remote connection attempts on compromised devices, and selective in that its bots were coded to avoid IP addresses belonging to, among other organizations, the U.S. Postal Service, the Internet Assigned Numbers Authority, the U.S. Department of Defense, General Electric, and HP. Late Friday, the U.S. officially attributed election-related email hacking to Russia's government. A joint statement by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the Department of Homeland Security said the intelligence community was not only confident the operations were conducted by the Russian government, but that they could only have been authorized by, quote, Russia's senior most officials, end quote. 
So the U.S. intelligence community rules out not only the hacktivism toward which Guccifer 2.0's sock puppetry would have misdirected attention, but also potential claims that the breaches represented low-level unauthorized freelancing. The statement also calls document dumps by DC leaks and WikiLeaks, quote, consistent with the methods and motivations of Russian-directed efforts, end quote. The ODNI and DHS profess clarity about the nature of those motivations. Quote, These thefts and disclosures are intended to interfere with the U.S. election process. Such activity is not new to Moscow. The Russians have used similar tactics and techniques across Europe and Eurasia, for example, to influence public opinion there. End quote. Russian officials have, as one would expect, dismissed the attribution as rubbish designed to inflame what they're characterizing as unprecedented anti-Russian hysteria. In the U.S. presidential campaign, candidate Clinton has said that Russia's trying to throw the election to Trump. Candidate Trump, despite being briefed earlier about the grounds for attributing the DNC breaches to Russia, says it's unclear to him that Russia is actually behind the hacks. He's also taken the opportunity to draw attention to Clinton's difficulties with handling classified material during her tenure as Secretary of State. Also late Friday, around the time the ODNI and DHS released their statement on the DNC hacks, WikiLeaks posted just over 2,000 emails purporting to be from candidate Clinton's campaign manager, John Podesta. These emails look generally discreditable, as leaked emails usually do. WikiLeaks impresario Julian Assange has promised more regular revelations through Election Day on November 8th. The FBI wants another iPhone unlocked. This one belonged to Dahir Adan, the apparent jihadist who went on a stabbing rampage in a Minnesota mall before he was shot dead by an off-duty police officer. The Bureau's efforts are expected to mirror those undertaken during investigation of the San Bernardino massacre earlier this year. Investigation into the NSA contractor arrested for allegedly having highly classified material squirreled away in his Maryland home continues. The Intelligence and National Security Alliance is prompted to call upon the next Congress and administration to modernize security policies, practices, and technologies in ways that would more effectively mitigate this sort of insider threat. Credit cards continue to be a popular target of criminals, both online and with skimming devices. Smriti Konanar is Global Product Manager for HPE Data Security, and we checked in with her for some details on credit card security. The old credit cards that are the Magnetic Stripe credit cards, um, they, are, they didn't have essentially a lot of security enabled in the cards themselves. Um, hence, it was really easy to uh, read uh, the payment information through the magnetic stripe. And it was easy to duplicate those cards also, and hence uh, the payment uh, fraud was really rampant um, previous to EMV. So with EMV chip-enabled cards, um, right now uh, the payment information of the consumer is embedded into the chip itself, which is a secure device. And also, on top of that, there's a lot of cryptographic operations that take place for the authentication of the consumer and also uh, for the transmitting the information, the payment information into the EMV-enabled terminals is also cryptographically dr- done. What about, you know, on-device technologies like Apple Pay? Yeah, so that's a totally different uh, security and uh, payment technology there. There's a concept called as tokenization. What we mean by tokenization is that the PAN number, the credit card number itself, 
will be replaced by a random surrogate value. So that way, it's basically uh, used as a security reason. Uh, initially, it came about as uh, back-end security. However, with Apple Pay and mobile wallets, um, EMV, again, EMV co-standards body, again, came about a new standard, which is called as payment or EMV tokenization, where the tokenization is done prior to the authorization. So what I mean by that is when you register to Apple Pay and you enter your credit card information, the process that uh, what it goes through is that that credit card information will be sent to the network or the issuer uh, based on your credit card information. And then the issuer or the network will send a token, a payment token back to the Apple wallet. So whatever is stored in the wallet, in your mobile wallet, is a token, it's a payment token instead of the credit card number. So that essentially um, enhances the security for payments quite a bit because the token is essentially the one that uh, is used for the transaction or the payment authorization. Uh, however, that um, token itself cannot be used even if there's a data breach in midway or um, when there's a hacker that tries to get your information, the token itself is of no use to that hacker because, again, he doesn't have the same device or even with the Apple Pay, it also comes with biometric authentication. So uh, it is additional authentication and security there. Uh, so it is very hard to use that same token for other fraudulent purposes. That's Smriti Konanar from HPE Data Security. In industry news, Verizon continues to mull whether its acquisition of Yahoo's core assets should proceed and at what kind of discount. Finally, a CISO, a consultant, and a security vendor walk into a bar, and the bartender says, So, got any good best practices to share? Just kidding, it's not really a joke, it's just week two of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. That CISO, consultant, and vendor are actually sharing some worthwhile thoughts on best practices with the readers of Healthcare IT News. They're worth a review. Among them are share information, cultivate multiple sources of intelligence, and don't neglect the dark web, plan and exercise your incident response, keep your patches current, and above all, approach cybersecurity in the spirit of risk management. You can read their comments at healthcareitnews.com. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Dale Drew. He's the Chief Security Officer at Level 3 Communications. Uh, Dale, as we get closer to the election here in the United States, we're seeing uh, more and more stories about the potential for voter hacking. Uh, what's your take on this? Is, is there something to this, or is there more smoke than fire? You know, I, I'd say there's a lot of discussion around online voting and uh, voting security. Um, you know, voting security in general uh, has always had a little bit of a, a black mark associated with it, not only because of the accuracy of of, um, of the voting machines and their their um, their ability to be uh, tampered with. You know, for example, there was a couple of years ago where someone loaded Pac-Man on a voting machine. You know, I'd say the general consensus for, for voting security right now is just, you know, the need for uh, for holistic standards across uh, the voting uh, space, the ability for you know the, the the back office infrastructure that that is supporting as well as collecting voting data uh, to be better protected. There's a fair amount of concern that that uh, a lot of these uh, infrastructures are are more susceptible to compromise than the voting uh, platform itself. You know, the the other one is as I, as I say the motivation is is today there is this sort of uh, accepted uh, half truth which is the belief that online voting or or better voting security is not really going to increase voting turnout um, and what we've seen in other countries is is uh, I'd say that's half true in some countries uh, you know turning to online voting and better voting security. Uh, doesn't have a material impact on uh, voter turnout. We've seen a couple of cases where it's been, you know, a 10% increase or a 12% increase. But other countries have experienced between a 30 to 40% increase in voter turnout because they made it more convenient for the end user to be able to uh, to vote. And here in the United States, you know, voting is handled by the individual states, which strikes me as a mixed blessing because you have uh, you have a lack of, of a standard across all the states. But on the other hand, uh, it allows for experimentation. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the exact concern I'd say is, is just the lack of consistent standards. You know, each state can decide based on their, their expertise at the time and their resources at the time what voting security means to them. You know, we, we believe that, that global standards um, are, are the key to fixing this, not, not just standards within the U.S., but, but standards across the globe. There's a lot of countries that are doing, you know, um, online voting today. Some of them have their entire ecosystem is oriented around, um, you know, people-based certificates, uh, as an example. And, you know, we're, we're not advocating that, but what we are advocating is, is more of a global approach to understanding the risk profile and developing sort of approved methods for it so that each state now has access to a larger sort of uh, think pool or think tank of capability to provide better um, voting capabilities for their citizens. All right, Dale Drew, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? 
With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.